Welcome to a special edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, John Steppe, joined by Mike Loss to talk about the outright Big Ten West champion Iowa Hawkeyes. Mike, four weeks ago, I don't think anybody was expecting that we'd be talking about Iowa as an outright Big Ten West champion after they had lost back-to-back games, both by double digits, both to unranked teams, first Purdue and then Wisconsin? I certainly didn't. You know, I, I, I didn't think it was going to happen two days ago. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure Iowa was going to beat Nebraska. I, I picked them to, but I wouldn't have, you know, bet my motorcycle on it. And then I didn't think that Minnesota was going to beat Wisconsin. Well, wrong. They did. <laughs> uh, the next time that next time I and AI fan wants to say a bad thing about PJ Fleck or the Gophers, they should be forced to eat a big heaping helping of Ludafisk. <laughs> well, I think some Iowa fans are probably spending some time tonight writing a thank you note to PJ Fleck because that's really what did it. Iowa did as much as they could do in the last four weeks, but this wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for finally some team beating Wisconsin. Yes, you know, I mean, look, everybody played nine games, and Iowa was the only team in the division that won seven. Uh, Fair and square, I guess. I I tell you what, when I first came into the post-game press conference in Lincoln yesterday wearing those T-shirts that said, Big Ten West champions. I thought that was awfully presumptuous. I was going to say, you're, you're, you know, you're not the West champions. And if you tie with Wisconsin, you're not the West champions. You're not going to Indianapolis. And yeah, you made nobody fun of thinks us. of that. Right. And then, and then people in Iowa made fun of, of Iowa State fans who wanted to claim any kind of championship because they finished alone in first place in the Big 12 last year. But... As it turned out, those shirts were 100% on the money. They are the West champions. There's no asterisk. There's no sharing. There's no co-championship. There's no banner that you have to explain. They won it. The end. And they're going to Indy. They can put up the banner. It probably won't be next to the one recent banner they have off of the Music City Bowl in 2020 that kind of should probably have an asterisk on it. This one, no asterisk involved. It is fair and square division title. They did it with a tough route there, having to play, ending that stretch. The last, let's see, was that the last six weeks were all against division foes? If I'm doing my math right, I think that was the last six weeks. So that's not an easy path there as you're trying to duke it out with your divisional rivals there. But they did enough. Yeah, I mean, what happened in the last two days? I was behind, what was it, 21-6 to six at Nebraska? Do I have that right? Yeah, in the second half, too. Right. They're going into the fourth quarter down 21-9. to nine. Uh, Yeah. That's pretty bleak. That's pretty bleak. And and, and then, okay, they, they get their act together. They do everything right. They win the game. Then you still need Minnesota to beat Wisconsin. Well, Wisconsin had been playing – really good ball you know oh yeah especially Braylon Allen right Braylon Allen had had seven straight 100 yard games today against Minnesota 17 carries for 47 yards 
and the Badgers only had 233 yards. It was a, you know, it's kind of, it wasn't kind of, it was an ugly late November football game in Minneapolis. Minnesota was tough enough to win, and they were very motivated. It had to make Iowa fans feel very good early in that game to see how much the Gophers wanted to win it. And yeah, they got the job done. They were the better team. And uh, what a crazy way to win a division title, but here we are. And Minnesota still had some things to play for. It wasn't quite as much as Wisconsin where you're looking at, okay, if they go to the Big Ten championship game and if they put up a good fight against Michigan, they could be talking New Year's Six. But Minnesota, they still had that bowl placement of, okay, you'd much rather be at the Outback Bowl than at the Music City Bowl. Or some, I mean, maybe tweak that one or two notches up or down. I'd say you probably want to avoid the pinstripe ball in the winter. So maybe yeah, that you know, was you know what, John, but John, I don't think it was about bowl oh, placement as much as they wanted to beat Wisconsin in Minneapolis, which they hadn't done in a long time. Oh, yeah. uh, that right. I, said, I think point. you know they they talk about they do their we hate Iowa chance, but I think Minnesota fans look at Wisconsin as their biggest rival, and it's the season-ending game. And to get that Paul Bunyan's axe, that obviously meant the world up there. So oh, yeah. that was a lucky thing for Iowa that Wisconsin was playing Minnesota instead of you know one of a host of other teams today. Yeah, that's a great point. And then uh, I got I I will say this I'm not I'm just not too impressed with the Big Ten West at all. So <laughs> I was you know it's like I was should have won the, won the division this year. It was totally there for the taking, and to their credit, they did take it. But it's a mediocre division. Uh, it's not a, a traditional Wisconsin powerhouse team. You know Minnesota, good, not great. Purdue, good, not great, and. The other three are nothing to write home about at all. And then when you look at the East, probably any of those top three teams would have had a pretty good shot. I'd say you could maybe even say definitely would have won the West if they were in the West. If you swap them and say Northwestern, which of course they wouldn't do. But that kind of tells you that it's a different level of talent there in the East. So the West is... It's a lower bar there, and none of those teams seem perfect. Wisconsin now, had grabbed you know, the quarterback. And I, I, I'm not dismissing Purdue and Minnesota as not being good. They are good, but I'm, I'm just saying you're not talking about championship material. Purdue beat Michigan State, you know? Yeah. Um, Ohio State got uh, pushed really hard against Nebraska, got pushed really hard in the first game of the season against Minnesota. So yeah. they're good teams, but 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 overall, this was this was a good year for Iowa to have a good chance to win the West, and it would have, you know, it would have really ultimately felt sour for them had they not, because it was there for the taking, and they would have been haunted by that two-game stretch in the middle of the season. But they persevered, and it is a twelve-game season. It's not a six or eight-game season, and. Uh, the Hawkeyes save their best for November. It has, it's something they've done, I, I wouldn't say every year, but they've done it many, many times under Kirk Ferentz. And 
this was a great year to do it, to go 4-0 in November and four games that were all very difficult for them. And then a little bit of a gift, too, out in Ann Arbor today with Michigan beating Ohio State. Michigan's certainly a very capable team of winning a Big Ten title. But I think if you'd given anybody the choice of, okay, you can either play Michigan or you can play Ohio State, I think almost anybody would pick Michigan out of those two. I think I think you're absolutely right. And as big a reason as anything is the game in Indianapolis is indoors. And to give that offense a dry track without wind with those receivers and that quarterback Stroud, that would have been a, a, a bridge too far, I think, for Iowa. Michigan's going to be hard yeah. enough. They're really good. This is going to be the best team Iowa's played. Iowa's going to have to play its best game of the year. And uh, they're going to have to get some things figured out still on offense, starting with who's going to be the quarterback. Yeah, because, well, I think one thing is Kurt Ferentz has been coy enough going into games like Illinois and Minnesota with who's going to be at quarterback, particularly against Illinois. Now imagine how coy he's going to be when there's a Big Ten title on the line. Yeah, he's not going to give anything away would be my guess. So, or at least keeping it as floating and still possible to change. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to make much difference to Michigan's defensive coordinator. It's not like you're going to have to come up with a completely altered game plan for one quarterback instead of the other. But, you know, uh, I, I think it's the kind of thing that Iowa better figure out real fast and say, okay, this is the guy. And away we go. I think it's going to be Petrus. I'd be shocked if it isn't. But they're going to—they'll be mealy mouthed about it, and they'll say how both of them have done a great job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you're going and to go with the guy who's in with both quarterbacks. Well, yeah. I mean, you're going to go with the guy who's been the the starter for two years and the guy who didn't get you beat at Nebraska on Friday. Yeah, that alone—that last thing's enough on the resume by itself because when you look at that first half versus the second half the offense flowed a lot better in the second half the points show it and then you also look at it as that one drive that ended with the Tyler Goodson fumble you know Petrus really led that drive too and that could have easily been seven points had it not been for that turnover so when you're looking even beyond the stats, and the stats are better too for Petrus versus Padilla on Friday. But even yeah, when you're looking beyond the stats, I think it's a clear picture there. Yeah, I mean, I was always going to go with the guy who's got more experience under his belt. That's just, I mean, yeah. they just are. They just, they always have, they always will. And there's not enough separation between the two to, to uh, do anything else. That's my opinion. But we'll see, you know. And whoever is that quarterback will have a tall pass with this Michigan defense, and especially with a pass rusher as good as Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good defense. I mean, Ohio State got its yards today, but nobody has come close to stopping them from getting their yards. Yeah. Uh, but it's a relative. Mo- right. In moments of truth today, Michigan did get stops. 
uh, many. And you mentioned Hutchinson. He had three sacks in that game. He is... Only three. I said on our uh, podcast we did coming home from Lincoln that I had to f- make a space for Zach Van Valkenburg on my All-Big Ten bat. And this guy, Hutchinson's going to be right next to him at defensive end or you know, the, uh, on the other side of the uh, front four, I should say. Uh, he's, he's, today wasn't his first good day, that's for sure. I mean, this, this is an NFL bona fide blue chipper who has just been sensational all year. And today, I think he really put himself in the national consciousness. And yeah. he's going to be a major task for Iowa's offensive line. That will be an interesting challenge for those tackles. You know, Mason Richmond and Jack Plum are going to have their hands full there. Right, and and he's not the only good defensive lineman they've got either. Their, their defense has been uh, quite good all year. I mean, Michigan State, Kenneth Walker ran wild on them, but if, over the 12 games, uh, it's been a really good D. Well... It will certainly be an interesting week ahead of us, ahead of that battle Saturday night for the Big Ten crown. Mike, thanks for joining me on this special edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. Okay, John. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this special episode. We will have plenty of coverage, so Keep your eyes out on our website and on our Twitter accounts, and we will talk Hawks later.